Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. It's been a hard day and night, and I've been working like a dog. Welcome back, everybody. We have a lot to talk about in cryptocurrency. I hope you're keeping it together. I hope you're not downtrodden or discouraged or frustrated. It's it's okay to be, but I hope that you're not. Because I, I actually think what we're seeing is good. And I talked about on one of the past episodes here at CryptoTalkRadio.net, the idea of looking for discounts and why discounts are human nature. It's human nature to look for sales and look for opportunities with a lower price to buy into something on the cheap. But obviously that's not the standard for cryptocurrency, unfortunately. And I'm trying to encourage that mantra of thinking about everything as an opportunity. Now, there's a lot of opportunities. It showed up very much recently. Your boy here, Leister, brought some of these to light and certain people didn't believe me when I called it to attention. Then give back, give, come out and give my credit. But I called them to attention and I was trying to highlight, this is what it is. I'm going to be telling that story from my experience because I think that's important. I'm also going to talk about Bitcoin ETFs a little bit because I do have some that I've bought. And I'm going to be talking about the larger market, cryptocurrency market, because I'm seeing something and I want to share what I see. I can't tell you what it means because I frankly don't know. It's a very weird time. It's a very weird specious time. I will say for what it's worth, I'm still positive. I remain positive and I remain encouraged at what I see. And I don't think we're in a trouble spot. I think it's just a temporary blip that's taken a little bit too long to pass. I do suspect that there's some influence happening, that there's some manipulation happening under the hood. But more importantly, money flows. I'll be talking about that with the total market cap. So follow along if you can, best you can. I will remind folks, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. That's what we're here for. CryptoTalkRadio.net, hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, we read each one of those, or join us in our Discord, CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord. Hit us on Facebook, CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Facebook. Hit us on X slash Twitter, CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Twitter. Any of these outlets work. We don't do telescam. We don't do text messages. But any of the ones I mentioned will work. We look forward to hearing from you if you're just curious. We can't give any advice other than high-level suggestions of a thing. Let's go ahead and jump in real quick. We're going to skip most of the intro. I don't have any personal updates. But I do want to talk a little bit more extended than usual. This will be a little bit of a longer episode this time, I think. So there's a couple of points I want to make sure I cover. And then I do actually have a wallet that I'm going to talk about ever briefly near the end. Okie dokie. Let's start with some numbers. Coindesk.com. I'll start at, and I'm going to use Ethereum. And the reason I'm going to use Ethereum is it connects directly with some of the weirdness that's been happening recently, as a lot of these are Ethereum-based tokens. Zoom out to the mud chart, and you can tell that Ethereum took a crap, went down from the 2400 mark, crashed all the way down. We got very close to hitting the 2000 mark, as was previously predicted by somebody online, a low of 21.7 a high of 22.4. 
significant levels of drop. Not a lot of volatility. It was pretty straight down. Quite a bit of sell-off and sell pressure. And I wanted to point out, if you didn't watch it or follow it, the total market cap is down to $1.55 trillion. So we lost a significant amount of money across the industry. The reason I call that out, there is a fallacy spinning around online that everything is crashing. I'm going to stress this again from my opinion. We should not interpret what we see as a crash. We should interpret what we see as a discount. The reason I stage it that way, if you look at Ethereum as a great example, there are tons of tokens spinning up that are making people significant amounts of money. If we were truly in a crash, we wouldn't see significant amounts of wealth outside of those who do like perpetuals trading where they're banking off of certain downward pressure as with bone, but that's not the norm. It's not the regular. It happens, but it's not the norm. The more norm is when you're anticipating a rise that may have not have happened yet. You're long on it. You expect it's going to go up. That's the more normal spot trading is more normal. It is spot trading. I'm going to be focusing on a little bit later as I get in. I'm simply pointing out that the total market cap number significantly decreased, which indicates it is not isolated to any one project. Therefore, if you happen to see, because I know some that listen to my show, follow certain YouTube influencers, quote unquote, who may be telling you that the end is near, you know, and that everything's crap or, or that one token that you're on, you're noticing that they're calling it a scam and it may very, very well be a scam. I'm saying that it's more likely that the disruption that we see is happening across the board and that it's not isolated to any one token or any one project. Rather, it is across the entire industry which means we have to look at it as a discount opportunity if it's a project that you believe can make you some money, which gets me to my story. The tokens that started to run up very recently, I did an update on X very recently. I said, we are not in an altcoin season. We are in a trend season. A trend season, as described, is a season where trending tokens is the big deal. We see that tokens are simply trending by name, only because of some hashtag that's going on a trend itself. So Trump 2024 is a hashtag. For some reason, Biden 2024 is a hashtag and so on. Trump 2024, for some reason, and I cannot recall exactly how because you guys are old, but for some reason came to attention, I believe it was CoinMarketCap. And I noticed that this token had one significant thing about it that caught my eye. The vast majority of supply, it has 700, a little bit under 800 trillion tokens, total supply. The vast majority of it, I'd say about 600 trillion tokens, is held by MEXC. This token was originated in September 2023. September 2023 is right around when we started with the various debates on the stage, which got me thinking. It's possible, and I can't prove it. Some people theorize it. I can't prove it. It's possible that Mexi themselves created this token in anticipation of a run if Donald Trump happened to win these two primaries, as he did in Iowa and New Hampshire. And it's possible Mexi was sitting waiting for some trades. I checked the scanner. Saw a couple people bought trillions of this stuff for like 90 bucks. These people, 
easily made six figures on this stuff. So here's what happened. When I got in, I had put 1500 bucks in it. I got, you know, just over 1 trillion tokens. So not bad. I sat back and watched it simply because I was curious. And I knew that with the price that low, any investment I did was going to shift the price because the price is low. I had to learn and bone helped this. I had to learn based on where I put my position, I can influence certain runs. Should I choose to? Well, what happens? This guy doubles in price easily doubles in price. So I took my original 1500 out, let the rest of it ride a little bit. So now I'm down to about 500 billion tokens. Let it ride, let it ride. This 500 billion, all of a sudden, millions and millions and millions of dollars start flowing in. And my guy goes from $1,500 of profit to $5,000 of profit. I then sold out 100 billion and it came to like, you know, by the time, because the price is still moving, it was like another 1,500 bucks of raw profit. This is raw profit. I'd already got my original back. I let it run up again. Now I'm down to 400 billion. I expected to get back to about $4,000 on this. And I kept doing this. I just kept selling off profit as it went up. And I left 100 billion in the wallet because I wasn't confident it was going to keep running. I was pretty sure it was going to crap. And if it did keep running, 100 billion was still a significant amount of tokens remaining because again, Mexi holds the vast majority of supply even now. So it's strategic what I'm trying to do. As expected, it crapped down. It didn't crap down to where it started, nowhere close. It still has a baseline and it, it maintained that pretty darn well. And it does have a little bit of upward, but nowhere near what it did before. As I record this, it's roughly around where it was when it doubled the first time. That's not bad. That's not bad. I made thousands of dollars off this garbage and I'll call it garbage because it doesn't do anything as well. It doesn't even have a working website. So you're wondering, well, why would I invest in it? Because again, MEXC held the vast majority of supply. At this point, I got a decision to make. If the exchange holds the vast majority of supply, it is unlikely, not impossible, but unlikely to be a rug pull because it's not owned by some idiot who says the word Jeet and says the word Keck. It's, you know, it's owned by an exchange. They're not going to rip themselves off. That was my thought. The liquidity was reasonably strong and it's locked until August. Well, I think the reason it's locked until August, my theory, is they were banking on the run-up to when Trump and Joe Biden would finally meet on the debate stage after being selected for their respective parties. And then they were going to bank on whoever happened to win that set. Once they go toe to toe, we obviously know Joe Biden's not going to beat Donald Trump on the debate stage. So I think the August was strategic. Like if I'm looking at the dates, it looked like whoever put this together had something in mind of what they were trying to do. Right? So I made thousands of dollars in the business. I took the excess profit. It washed every loss that I've ever had on multiple tokens over years. It completely washed them away. It's as if I lost nothing, which is cool. And I had profit over top to the point I was able to buy into all of my SHIB ecosystem stuff and replenish some of the bone that I had sold for profit. I didn't do all of it because I bought some leash. I bought some SHIB, sat it over in my off wallet that's off the side that I don't ever touch, 
but I still have profit in my main wallet. I have profit over there. It was an amazing run. People were, didn't believe me when I'm trying to tell them, you know, on the way up, I'm trying to tell them at worst, there's a profit opportunity here. I would never tell somebody to stay in it or hold if there's a profit opportunity on the way up, but you have to resist the temptation to hold it because that's stupid because it's garbage, but you can still make money off of it. So my message that the moral of why I told the story, you can always, just because it's a scam, don't mean you can't make money. Just because you make money doesn't make it not a scam. I can't say this is or isn't a scam. It's still active. It's still going and Mexi still holds the supply. Far as I can tell, it's just a token that's out there. So if it's just a token that's out there, again, I have no choice but to look at it and say, there's a money opportunity to be made. And there's a lot of these Trump tokens that have spun up in response to Donald Trump winning Iowa and New Hampshire. The one that everybody's got their attention on is called MAGA, M-A-G-A. And unfortunately, that has Schiller's pitching it, which is why I avoided it, number one. Two, its price, in my opinion, is too high. It's got a lot of money in it, but its price is too high. This inspired a story that I wanted to share with you. And then we'll get into some news. The Trump 2024, when I got in, only had an $800,000 market cap, but its liquidity was shortly over $100,000. I was confident, again, that I could get enough with a reasonable price that the run-up would give me a significant amount of profit, and I was right. That was only doable because the market cap was not significant yet, for whatever reason that be true. On the MAGA token, it already has $80 million in market cap at a price of like $1.70. At a price of $1.70, it's not going to shift significantly in price. It doesn't mean that you can't make money, but it's not going to move significantly simply because there's already too much money in it. This got me thinking. Perhaps people listening don't understand the difference in strategy to where they can make an informed decision. And I looked at it as an educational opportunity to describe the two avenues by which one can make profit off of trades and cryptocurrency. And perhaps it helps. And if it does help you, let us know in an oversimplified form, there are two ways to profit off of cryptocurrency. There is spot trading. And then there's so-called margin slash perpetual slash futures trading. So one is a straight in and out transaction, usually at market. One is based on, it's essentially gambling, but it's based on money movement. In a spot transaction, you're telling whatever you either want that product or you have product ready to sell. It's, it's just like going to the swap meet. You're just doing a straight transaction for one or A or B. I want it or I have it. That's spot. On the other side, though, the other side largely is sustained by volume, by market cap, how much money is moving, how much money is flowing. When you have a significant amount of money that's moving, what you're essentially doing when you go and you put in a bid and you say, I'm going, you know, 20x long or 30x, whatever that is for you. When you put that in, you're banking on the price moving in a certain direction. And you're profiting on the way towards that. And the, and the closer it gets to it, the more your money makes. And the closer it gets away or the further it gets away from it, the less you make until you hit liquidation points. 
when you're looking at a token's money movement and market cap, and you're trying to find those ones that move significantly like Bitcoin, like SHIB, right? These ones that have so much money in them. If you're on the gambler side, what you're doing is you're, you're banking on making money off of that money. You're banking on being able to snipe some of that money that's moving. And it is possible you can make a significant amount of money doing so. I would argue, and this is my opinion, that requires a significant investment that the majority of people are either not willing or able to put in to make it worth the time and stress. What do I mean? If I wanted to really make some money, let's say shorting, I'll say shorting, shorting one of the cryptos out there, bone. If I wanted to short bone, I would need to go to an exchange that supports bone. There are exchanges that support bone. I know that bone's price is currently going down, trending downward. I expect it's going to plat it's going to hit a plateau point and go back up. I don't know when, but if I wanted to short it down to say 50 and let's say I went 10 X on something, I'm baking on that continually going down and that people are willing to buy as it goes down. But in order for it to financially make any sense, I'd have to put at least 10,000 bucks at it. You might be thinking, it doesn't need to be that high. I'm saying to make it make sense because you got to think, number one, there's the stress of being liquidated. You can put, you know, stop loss and all that stuff, but you can't know, especially with bone. That's a bad example because you can't know what that point of liquidation is going to be. Its movement isn't really as predictable as you might think for that gambling type of a trade. When AVE, A-A-V-E, it was going down, this was last year, early last year, and I was shorting it, and it was pretty predictable because it just kept going. But at some point, it was going to plateau and come back up, and that's a risk that, again, I think the regular trader isn't going to be willing to accept that risk and financially to make it make sense and make enough profit off of it, I believe you need at least 10000 bucks. Some people will say, it's fine if you just make a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. And if you're low income, yes, a couple hundred bucks is life changing. But the amount you have to put in to make that is significant unless it's absolute, you know, in a volatility pair unparalleled, which very few are. Whereas on the spot side, it's actually a little bit more predictable, not a lot, but a little bit more predictable in the sense that you know what the price is that you bought at your, your position. You know where it is now. You can see it. It's either up or down. If it's down, please don't sell the loss unless it's a crap token. If it's up by a significant margin, margin, you know that you can make some good profit and you can calculate it and everything's predictable. So from a psychological perspective, this is less stress. Does not negate profit potential on the other side. Simply that I believe most people are going to be looking at the spot side, especially when you're getting new into it new, I think you're going to look over here as a little bit more predictable than the other side. Let's say you grant what I said to be the truth. If that's true, Trump 2024, best represented, because you can't margin trade that, best represented the easiest way to make a significant amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Whereas the other one, the MAGO garbage, that one looks like it might make you some money, but it would take you some years if you're doing spot. If you're doing it as a perpetual or as a futures trade somewhere, or you margin trade off whatever or something else, you probably could bank something, but it's highly risky. 
Number one, because it's got Schiller's in front of it, and you don't know what's going to happen there. Number two, when I looked at the contract, it's not like the other one that has Mexi holding the vast majority. You don't know what whale is going to dump off of it or if it could be a scam. You know nothing about this other one. And when Schiller's get in front of it, usually that means that somebody paid them to hype the token. And when you look at the comments around that token, they look really scripted and really automated as in somebody paid for it. Whereas on Trump 2024, it was largely organic. It was an organic move that came out of nowhere and created an opportunity for profit similar to what Satama did at a point, what Pepe did at a point, and what Bonk did at a point. So I looked at this looks like it could be another one of those quick profit opportunities. And I'm smarter now than I was before. Because before, I'd have just held it, which is I'm like an idiot. I'd have just held it. But now I realize this is crap. It's a crap token. It's going to crap down. I don't know when, but let's see what we can get out of it. Let's bleed that turnip dry before that happens. And I was able to win. Everything I share with you then is designed to empower you to consider thinking that same. You have to decide which way you are. You either are on that spot side realizing you can make a quick buck off something. And I encourage you to do as long as you train yourself to take those profits and don't get tempted to let it sit and ride because you know it's going to crap back down. And the faster it goes up, the harder it's going to crash. And it's hard to predict it. On the gambler side, for those that do that, I celebrate it if that's what you want to do. Understand it's higher risk, higher risk, higher reward, but it's higher risk. And I suspect most people listening to me here at CryptoTalkRadio.net are not significantly risky because you realize there's a lot of crap out there and you don't want to have the money lost in any case. But if you're able to double an investment in something, man, that's huge. That could be one more month of rent for some people out there. In my case, I didn't really need the money. All it did for me was let me buy into other tokens without having to put money on it because I don't know what happens there. And from a tax perspective, I technically didn't make any money because I didn't sell anything. And if those tokens crap, I can possibly deduct it. So all strategy, all good, but all strategy. So I'm looking at a lot of these garbage ones that's spinning up. And certainly I pay attention to see if there's other opportunities for that quick buck. I don't share them on the show other than the ones I talked about because I wouldn't want it to come across like I'm advocating doing what I did. What I'm saying is if you happen to notice one that looks like there's something there and it doesn't look too sketchy and shady. One like this, where the exchange hold the vast majority of supply, it may be low risk and it may be an opportunity as long as you could train yourself to take the profits. I would want you to take your profits. I would want you to get that opportunity. Now, that depends on whether or not it's going to go anywhere. Not everyone's going to go anywhere. Some are just dead projects. It, it's what it is. Be careful. If you're going to do it, be careful. I'm not saying don't. I'm saying be careful if you choose to. Let's talk about the Bitcoin ETFs. Now I want to get that out of the way and let's talk about some fun stuff. I had bought Bitcoin ETFs. I had my, I had my focus on the Fidelity one and I bought some Fidelity shares. I tried to buy some iShares. It didn't go through because the price started going up, but I still have my Fidelity ones. It's still hovering around the $35 mark at the last close. So I was right on, spot on with my purchase target for DCA. So I'm, I'm pretty happy, pretty satisfied with what I ended up with. I didn't get screwed. I didn't get, 
it's a very predictable path. It's a very predictable chart. I was very surprised how easy it was to predict the price movement for the Fidelity one. So if you're not in the Bitcoin ETFs, just so you know, they are available if you have, let's say you have an IRA or you have a 401k or you have something that allows you to invest in bond stocks or anything else, you can purchase the Bitcoin ETFs yourself. Your, your bank or whatever uh, organization probably has already pitched them to you and you may not know it. So you are free to get in, assuming that your locality allows you to do so, you are free to get in. It's just another, just like anything else, and it goes in your portfolio like anything else. It's not actually buying the cryptocurrency. You're buying basically against holdings. So you have essentially a share or stake share against a pool of the assets. That means that as the assets come and go, as they sell or they buy, the price will go up or down accordingly. And it means you don't really have any control necessarily over the price movement and what you're really investing in is your level of confidence in the custodian. So Fidelity, as an example, they're, they're self-custody. Grayscale, who was dumping off theirs, BlackRock, they have something, all these other ones, there's custodians. In some cases, it's Coinbase or whoever it is. And it all goes, it's almost like proxy in a way. You're, you're, you're investing in your confidence that the custodian is not a blithering idiot. <laughs> I mean, effectively, it's what it is that they know what they're doing, that they know how to balance their books and that they know how to maintain the supply correctly and that they're buying at the right times and they're selling at the right times. That's really what you're investing in when you invest in these ETFs effectively, let's be honest. So if you choose to get in, I think it's a good addition for a diverse portfolio. You just have to be very smart. You can invest in all of them if you want, but I think you should be smart because like with the grayscale dump, I mean, that hurt a lot of people. So just be careful with whatever it is that you try to do don't, I wouldn't, I would not recommend YOLOing into any of them for sure, but it's your money. I can't tell you specifically what to do. Silk Road, if you haven't heard the news, what happens is the United States government, they had seized a bunch of Bitcoin from what used to be known as Silk Road that was on the dark web. They were sitting on it for a while and there was a mention, and I talked about this late last year, there was a mention that they were going to be eventually selling off the Bitcoin. Now, I, people call me tinfoil all the time, and it's fine if you want to call me tinfoil. I'm going to say in all tinfoilness again, the timing of them about to be selling over $130 million worth of Bitcoin is rather ironic. It is what it is. This may have contributed, I can't say it did, but it may have contributed somewhat to the red that we are now seeing in terms of a negative sentiment shift due to the forthcoming dump of a significant amount of seized Bitcoin. But you should be aware that filing was made. They were going to sell the Bitcoin, basically sell it on the open market. So that means that they would be selling at a loss and that may trigger somewhat of more down pressure. Can't say for sure, but just know that that's forthcoming. So the first batch, there's two batches. The first batch is just under 3,000 Bitcoin. The second batch is just under 60 Bitcoin. So it's, you know, it's a quite a bit of, it's quite a bit of cash. And we don't know what's going to happen again with the price movement when this happens. And the timing, I'm not going to ignore how ironic that timing is. Memes, influencers. I, I, am, I am hesitant to talk about it, this, but I think it's important because I think it's important that we keep you safe, that we warn you about what's happening. 
there's memes. I talked about the Trump ones, but there's other memes like Harambe spun up a meme. And there's one about, there's, there's two of them about the election. One that says Trump wins. Trump. Not, there's all these ones that are meme. They're clear memes. There's a Trump Pepe. There's all sorts of ones. The influencers are out in force shilling these memes. Myro, you may have heard of. They're out in force talking about these meme tokens. I want to just forewarn. This will be quick. I want to just forewarn people to remember, never forget Squid Game, never forget Safe Moon, never forget Seifu, never forget all of the Ethereum Max, never forget all of these tokens where the influencers got on board as the ones first to crash and burn. And if you haven't followed, and maybe you don't follow these, but there were other ones that looked like they might be something. And I hesitated talking about them because I was skeptical. Terrarium, Toast, Lillian Finance, Toast, Satama might as well be Toast. It's called Cytochain now, but it might as well be Toast is what it is. On and on and on. There's multiple of these where they were right at the forefront of influencer land and then they became Toast. Seemed like back to back. So, I'm not going to go any further or talk any more about it. I'm, I'm sharing it because it's going to get worse before it gets better, especially when we get back in the green. And you're likely going to be inundated with more influencers talking about these things. And I'm just going to say, please be careful. Meanwhile, we got an updates on the GDP. So the gross domestic product, jobless claims data. We got bad news all the way around. I had talked about on a past episode at CryptoTalkRadio.net as well as Casual Talk that claims that the job market was booming was crap. And I said, we're worse off than we were before. The reason I said that in confidence is because it was obvious. The market's nowhere near what it used to be because these companies are not willing to negotiate for quality talent. Instead, they're trying to dictate to people and they're lowballing on the rates and they're helping people get sick. There are still companies out there that would gladly congregate people and COVID spreads and all this. But more importantly, the financial aspect, they're not willing to pay what people are worth. They're just going off of what the going rate is. And many people in the past have settled for crap pay because they were desperate, certainly during the pandemic. As a result, everybody else feels the fallout of what happened before. So that doesn't surprise me to see that there are significant jobless claims because of what happens. If you have companies that are underpaying, those people are going to get, they're, they're going to do a half-assed job and then they're going to get cut and then they go jobless claiming, right? So it all ties together. If you take care of people, you don't need to let them go. If you take care of customers, your profit should be good. And if you adjust with the whims of society, you should be able to stay in business. A lot of the a lot of the shift that's happened, they were just talking about this with uh, some of the food places. Ironically enough, like Applebee's, Applebee's and IHOP, they were just talking about the fact that people don't go to the sit-in restaurants anymore like they used to. They Some still do, like on Sunday, Denny's is jam-packed with elderly. But largely, that's not really a thing, unless it's like a Bucca di Beppo, right, Rock Bottom Brewery. It had to be something specific for social reasons not like an IHOP or some other casual type of restaurant. That's just not, it's just not a thing like it used to be. Pizza Hut learned that lesson years ago. For those that don't remember, 
Pizza Hut used to be a sit-in restaurant predominantly. It wasn't, the delivery was just kind of an afterthought. It used to be a sit-in restaurant. It still is in certain places. When I drove up here, there was still sit-in restaurants for Pizza Hut, and they, they had combined them with a bar to try to keep things going and then added an arcade. So it encouraged people to come in and sit and, you know, congregate together because people like bars for whatever reason. But for the most part, Pizza Hut doesn't do sit-in anymore. Domino's doesn't do sit. I don't even remember a time Domino's did sit in. <laughs> to be fair, Papa John's, I don't remember them ever doing sit in. I do remember like Godfather's Pizza, they had sit in. I think they still do in some places, but they're much smaller. Point is, it's a different era. And a lot of these organizations never kept up with the whims, which is sit in and casual dining is no longer what it used to be. You might have like seasonal Boston market. Great example. Boston market used to be great during Thanksgiving. Boston markets toasts now, but I'm saying back during when it was a thing used to be great during Thanksgiving and then everything went South. So it doesn't surprise me to see the jobless claims skyrocketing to see the GDP not looking good does not surprise me. And it may have had an impact, a significant additional impact on some of the red we now are seeing across the board. So there's no action for you necessarily other than to be aware, be informed about what's going on around that is not specifically cryptocurrency, but it will affect cryptocurrency, which will affect your trades, which goes back to the, the gambling I talked about. What may be predictable is no longer predictable in a world where there is these external factors at play. The last news update I'll talk about is really more of a public service announcement around Trezor wallets, the hardware wallets. It connects to an update that I did before about a mailing service, which is why I want to make sure I talk about it because I don't know if anybody uses a, I think a couple people mentioned they use treasure wallets. I actually use a treasure wallet, but it just sits off in the corner. So what happened here, apparently, so they, they used the mail service and I don't know it's the same mail service, which was mailer light or not. I'm not sure on that one, but they put out a tweet basically saying that, Something happened where emails came from what appeared to be a legitimate email address, and it was prompting people to upgrade their, quote, network. Well, Trezor, if you know how Trezor works, basically you do need to plug it into USB to do an update for firmware. That is a normal thing. This was misleading them because it was redirecting them to a page that was trying to breach their information, trying to take it from them. I actually saw, related to this, on CoinMarketCap slash Reddit. Reddit, what they did is they actually took a copy of CoinMarketCap's site, put a malicious link that said, link your wallet. CoinMarketCap doesn't have a wallet link function. It's obvious, but it was a well-done copy of the site. And they were telling people, if you're having problems communicating on the community for CoinMarketCap, just link your wallet. And they gave a fake link that took you to what looks like a CoinMarketCap page, and then it's a prompt to link your wallet, and da, da, da. And the layman user wouldn't know the difference. This is very similar in that the email looked legitimate. It came from what appeared to be a legitimate from email address, so the user wouldn't really know that because Trezor does do updates where they'll tell you you gotta do a firmware update, so it's a normal transaction. The user wouldn't know that this is actually malicious and not really Trezor. So apparently, nobody was breached financially as far as they know, but they're still doing investigation to try to figure out what the depth of it was. This was identified about a week ago. And so if 
you have a Trezor wallet, I'll tell you this much. One, I would not recommend trusting anything on their email until they give the all clear. You're going to need to follow their X account. Uh, they are at Trezor on X. I would recommend following that account for any updates specifically, but I would not recommend following any instructions on any email coming from one of these hardware wallets. That's number one. Number two, if you are concerned about the firmware, so say you're concerned that the firmware might've been breached or there could be something where you do need to do an update or you're just trying to make sure it's up to date. I would recommend just browsing, manually browsing to whichever service, whether it's Trezor.io, whichever service, manually browse there, connect it directly there, make sure you're on the legitimate site, connect it directly there, let it check for updates. Do it that way manually. In other words, don't trust a link to take you there. Navigate directly, make sure you know how to do that. If you're not sure how to do that, follow Trezor's instructions through their X account. Do not interact with anybody offering to help you because it's likely going to be a scam. I'm going to close out with a different wallet that I want to talk about. I, I believe I briefly talked about it before, but I want to talk about it if I didn't. I'm not sure if I, I don't think I did. It's the Zerion wallet, Z-E-R-I-O-N wallet. And I, for reference, I'm referring to the iOS slash Apple version of this wallet. I was, the only reason I got the wallet is that I wanted to start testing different wallets to get away from my primary wallet because my primary wallet was having issues with Ethereum and still does. And then my secondary wallet started having issues with Ethereum, but it gives you a way to get around it. So I don't know what's going on with Ethereum. Something weird because the network was getting congested and then nothing works on the main wallet anymore. So I was toying with different wallets to try to try things. And I was, I was on the verge of doing Uniswap. And I think I chose not to do Uniswap wallets. I think it requires you to register. And I was like, screw you, bro. So I had stumbled across Zerian Wallet. Zerian Wallet's actually a very nice wallet. If you get a chance to check it out, I do recommend at least its interface. It's a very nice wallet. The only thing I don't like is it forces you to create a... Um, I had to do biometrics or a pin. My device doesn't have biometrics by design. So it forces you to do a pin. I don't want to do a password to get into the account because I already have a password to get into the device. It's a waste of time. You're not adding any security. So I like just get straight in and it is what it is. You can skip it only if you do a watch wallet. If you don't know what a watch wallet is, a watch wallet is where you're watching a wallet that you already have, or even if it's not your wallet, you can just keep an eye on the transactions of a different wallet as if it were your wallet. You can't do any transactions, but you can just watch its movement and watch its price. So you can take, let's say, some wallet that you toss some crypto at and you're not going to spend it, add it as a watch wallet, but then now you're safe from any breach because it's not connected to your, your interface. So that's how I use it is just a watch because I watch my SHIB, my SHIB ecosystem wallet. I watch that in there. And then it also has the cool factor of it scans. It's not perfect, but it scans the blockchain for any tokens it sees on the blockchain that you have. And it'll just auto show them. So you don't have to add, you know, some token, some wallets like trust. It'll say add token. You got to put it in and put the add. Da, da, da. You don't have to do that here. It automatically adds them. It's not perfect, like I said, because Leash didn't show up, which pissed me off. It eventually did, but at first it didn't. But you also can hide like low balance tokens. So let's say you have Dust Wallet tokens. You can hide those. You can hide zero-based tokens. So that's one complaint I have about Alpha Wallet. Alpha Wallet will show every damn thing under the sun, including all the spam <laughs> tokens that's in the wallet. 
And then you got to delete them one by one by one by one, and people keep sending them, so it's a waste of time. Zerion auto-hides those, which is cool. The one negative, I don't want to say negative, but the one complaint, I'll say, Zerion supports multiple chains, but it does not support out-of-the-box like Luna Classic, so it doesn't support all of them, which is kind of weird. You can add manual, but again, manually go and add the address. It's just a pain. So I, I wish that they out of the box supported more networks. That would be nice. I wish they get rid of the default password garbage because that's kind of nonsense. They also have a swap built in there. And then the swap is kind of an outsource something, but the, the swap is kind of weird because what I did is I was trying to take something, I forgot what it was, and transfer it over to Doge. So it's a cross chain swap. And for whatever reason, it had an upper limit on it. it. It said, I think it was Ethereum. I was trying to swap to Doge. I think that's what it was. And it said, you can only swap 0.25 Ethereum. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, so there's like these caps on what you can trade, which make no damn sense, which I didn't care for. Other than that, <laughs> I think it's a decent enough wallet, but it needs some work, I guess is my point. Um, it's decent for the visual appearance, very much so, and the fact that it adds tokens. What I'd like to see from it, other than what I mentioned, is links to CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko, I don't care, but a way to link straight to pricing. I would like to see a link, a way to link to a DApp browser. There's no DApp browser, which pisses me off. The other thing I did notice that I thought was cool but needs work, I'll say, when you, let's take Everrise. If you have a token and it has some sort of a staking or reward system that's aware to the blockchain, it'll show it as a rewards token or something in your wallet. So like I have a bunch of tokens I got from Libero or whatever that are just, you know, liquidity pool rewards tokens. They show up as liquidity pool tokens or rewards tokens or it's called out as such, which is cool. The problem is the number doesn't change. So like rebases, they don't support rebasing numbers going up. I know that the number is what it is. You can see it on blockchain, but the wallet does not support showing the increasing number of tokens from rebase rewards. So I'm saying I like that it shows some rewards, but it seems half baked and there's work that needs to be done in order to make it a viable option in my personal opinion. So Zerion wallet, Z-E-R-I-O-N wallet. I do recommend checking it out. I, I think it's a decent wallet. It just really needs some work. In closing, as I said, there's a lot of crap spinning up and I want everybody to be careful because it's going to be easier and easier to get ripped off now more than ever. It is much easier for people to rip you off and I don't want to see that happen to anybody listening to me here. Just make sure don't throw all your money at stuff, number one. And always keep your focus on your family and your people and food on the table, the roof over your head because crypto will come and go. We will hit a run and there's money to be made, but I don't want people to get caught up in the various garbage that's out there and then end up losing it all or, or getting into a rough spot financially. Take care of yourself and be safe. There's money to be made, but you got to be careful when you go and chase it down.